Is it summertime already? <laughs> oh gosh, well it seems like a great time to give a gay man some money. You may not know this, but Crisis Twink has a listener support option. If you go to the show notes and click the link, you may be presented with the opportunity to donate a small monthly fee to help support operating costs. It can be as little or as astronomical as you want, but any amount is appreciated. If I could give you a smooch, I would, but I can't. So enjoy these dulcet tones instead, uh, dulcet tones that many have described as akin to a very warm hug. So please donate if you'd like. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Very special episode today. It is episode 75, which I feel like shouldn't be a milestone just because I feel like nothing in the 70s should be a milestone. But like, if we're going by like quarters of the way to 175 is three quarters of the way there. So like, that's something. Um, And joining me today for this very special episode are... uh, we got two divas, one stone. It's uh, Sarah Bailey and Molly Smith. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you for being here. I'm sorry for introducing you as two divas, one stone. That's not a phrase <laughs> I've ever said before. And I don't mean, I do think that two birds, one stone means that you're trying to kill two birds with a rock. I'm not trying to do that with you two. Like Just to make it. sure. Sarah yeah. and I like definitely if someone was going to throw a stone and kill two people it would be us like <laughs> we're both going down with this ship <laughs> um this is a horrible segue I do want to pay tribute up top to a diva who did pass yesterday <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry but like I really just have to we have to say R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John Oh my god. I was not part what of that a segue. horrible segue. I'm so sorry. But like I love how we are the reminder of that. <laughs> I I will say so for our cultural crisis, which we'll get to later, we are going to pay quite a tribute to her as well. Um we'll, we'll get to that, but what an icon, what a legend. Yeah, I was very important for shockingly bummed out about it. Like, I, I love her a lot, but it was, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think I was going to, like, feel the depth of feeling that I felt about it. And I guess we'll save the tribute for later, but um, I'm sorry for desecrating her memory within the first uh, two minutes of this podcast. I feel <laughs> tremendously we'll awful. Back. We'll bring it back. Did well, you see well, John Travolta's Instagram? It yeah, so it was so sweet. Um, I mean, he's, he's a freak off the leash, but like, <laughs> so capable of like very sweet. Everyone had a sweet tribute though. I thought Mariah's was really nice too. Like, cause they sang together that one time, I guess. I don't know. It's all very. The tributes like make it feel real, you know, yeah. like I feel connected to, to them whenever I read the tributes. <laughs> and like, 
everyone seemed to have really good stories about her yeah which to me speaks of like I mean someone who is like truly beloved and like revered I don't know Hollywood people are so weird and off-putting it's kind of nice to hear when some someone is a genuinely sweet caring multi-hyphenate hey (laughs) okay I think we have to we have to transition this is oh goodness okay so we're gonna move on to our first segment we're gonna play ring the alarm the segment formerly known as go call the governor I'm going to present y'all with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history and you're going to decide whether or not the alarm needs to be wrong no wrong answers here but your choice is binary does the alarm need to be wrong or not Okay. Okay. So I'm ready. There's one core topic in here today that I'm pretty sure is going to be a Molly specific topic. So I also gave a Sarah specific topic, and we're going to start with the Sarah specific topic. Oh, the pressure. (laughs) Serena Williams is going to retire after the US Open. Does the alarm need to be rung? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I like read the headline today and also it was um released through Vogue which I thought was really interesting yeah but I like legitimately was really sad like she is iconic in the tennis world and has changed the game so much but I think like people just need to recognize the impact that she's had on the tennis world over the last uh, two decades like no one is out there like her Um, And I think she is going to get that recognition, but I was genuinely really sad and she's had like an impact on my life as well, which I don't think I realized until I read the headline today when I was like, oh my God, yeah, (laughs) like I'm not going to see Serena on TV anymore. I bet she ends up in some sort of analyst gig if she wanted to. She might be genuinely too big though to do that. Like she, I I think she's too big. Yeah. yeah, I think so too, especially because like, if you look at some of the stuff that she's done over the last like three to five years as she's pivoted out of tennis, she's like started her own VC fund. She's like produced films. She's in the fashion world. Like she's definitely like started to trickle her way into other industries. And I feel like um, she's honestly too interesting to be a tennis commentator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I was... um. I mean, you kind of could see it coming because she's in her 40s now. And I mean, she's had a ton of injuries. I did think the timing of this was interesting considering she won her first match yesterday in over a year. Um, And Vogue has often been like her platform of choice to like release information. I do, okay, this is just, I get maybe like a pivot out of Serena specifically, but like we talked about Beyonce last week on the podcast too. And I think it's really interesting that neither Beyonce nor Serena do interviews anymore. They just write like little personal essays and that is like press. That's, they're, yeah, they're like really like, controlling their own output. Yeah, I don't feel like they need to do interviews either because like the output that they do produce is so impactful and meaningful. And because they don't do it that often, like people actually pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, but the Vogue release on Instagram, the um, the cover page was insane. Like when I did mm-hmm. the swipe through and saw her daughter at the end, like my heart exploded. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cute. And I think she wants to focus on being a mom. And like, I saw that there are indicators of her growing her family, which is interesting. So yeah. yeah. 
because she's really been through it with like her family life like she almost died giving birth and then she but then she was like playing tennis while pregnant and that wasn't like crazy like there was an ESPN roundtable earlier this morning that posited that she's the greatest female athlete of all time and I don't know who could compete I think she's probably the most dominant athlete in any sport of all time regardless of like sport and gender yeah I honestly think so too, especially if you like look at her track record and how long she's been dominant. Yeah. It's like literally, like I don't think you see any athletes who are dominant in a sport for twenty years. No. <laughs> it... <hurt> <laughs> All right. Speaking of athletes dominant in a sport for twenty years, um, Molly, this <laughs> topic is more for you. Teresa Judice is married. <laughs> does the governor need to be? Or I is, does the alarm need to be rung? I'm just I'm like solemnly nodding I just like taking a few deep breaths Uh, I don't think there is an alarm loud and big enough to be wrong in the way that this warrants Um, we're gonna have to ring every alarm available to us Um, wartime ringing no this was like the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life so I'm a huge Housewives fan Housewives I would say is like the only culture that I've like really 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 kept up on in the pandemic and then starting grad school like I've kind of missed a lot but this is something I like literally talk about in my group chats with my friends every single day and this was the most I've ever had to speak on and that includes Erica Girardi and all of her nonsense and getting a smoker's voice this year. That includes everything that's been happening in Atlanta. That includes everything that's been happening. Like there's so much to talk about every day. And this wedding, I don't even know where to start, Drew. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot it was happening, I'll be honest. And I did not know, I, I guess like we got to start as we always have to start with um, Melissa and Teresa fighting again and Melissa not going to the wedding for reasons unclear. I mean, do, do you have any insight on this? Cause I couldn't I do. get a straight answer. I have insight because they're my dear close friends. No, I, so here's the thing about me. I, I'm a Melissa and Joe apologist. Yes. I just think like all of the Jersey characters are my best friends and I love them so much, but they're so terrible that I like, these are bottom of the barrel people that the bar is so low that I can actually have respect and love for Joe and Melissa Gorga, even though they're monster people. Um, But I think that there's something to be said for like, I don't know if you watched the season of Jersey, like yeah. Joe was like trying to be a good uncle, whatever. That was like a big storyline was that all of um, Teresa's daughters were really mad at Joe for like talking shit on her ex-husband who like famously got deported back to Italy because he defrauded the government and yeah. sent his wife to prison for years. <laughs> and her, her, his wife's mom died while she was in jail. And by all accounts, Melissa and Joe Gorga took care of the kids. Yeah, and I I do think Melissa are, like, mostly good people. They're just also, like, um, you know, fame-hungry monsters. And so, I and also, like, Louis seems psych. Like, he's like bad. There's a lot of red flags. Maybe Scientology-related, like, has probably defrauded money from Dina, guardian angel of New Jersey, Dina Manzo, who you don't, like... Her and Teresa were best friends for decades and she didn't even go to the wedding. There's a lot of red flags here. 
Yeah, I I think Dina is just not setting foot in the state of New Jersey ever again after her uh, sister's brother-in-law. Okay, how do I no, explain this? No, it was her ex-husband. Yeah, it, but like two brothers married two sisters. Oh, yes, that. The brother of my brother-in-law is my husband. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say here. But like, I don't, there's not, we don't have an English word for that because that shouldn't happen. Like, we don't, <laughs> that just shouldn't happen. Um, but that, that person beat up my current husband with a slapjack. So like, <laughs> that's... Yeah, I wouldn't go back to New Jersey after any of that either. Well, and and some of the current housewives like wrote, um, what was it called? Uh, like character letters in defense of her ex-husband mm-hmm. during his trial. So that's why I think she like won't have anything to do with them no. ever again, understandably. Um, the Teresa does not draw a similar line. <laughs> Teresa has no problem with that. S- Teresa looked like John Benet Ramsey at this wedding. <laughs> It must be said. She was in a thousand bobby pins in seven thousand dollars worth of extensions. Human hair they made very the, great paints. The to photo know. of her from the side where she was as dark as can be, and then just yeah. like the strip of contour, and then oh. like you can't see like the gradients where it goes from face to her lip like that's where it's really abrupt that there's no like clear delineation anymore because of her implants Mm -mm. it's 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 really shocking to see and like she already I would it I'm trying to think of a delicate way to phrase this without body show. <laughs> Sarah is showing a shocking photo of contour right now. Sarah's like, well, I gotta get in on this. What are they talking about? <laughs> okay, Sarah, have you seen have you seen any housewife shows before? Okay, I've actually started to watch um, Beverly Hills, and okay. it is so fun. Like, I can't stop watching it. It's wild. Are you, what so, season are you on? From the beginning or from? No, like the most recent. So okay definitely a later stage but you know I'm becoming a real housewives fan as we speak so I I would really recommend my my favorite housewife season of all time and like the gateway one I suggest to everyone is real housewives New Jersey season two um which is pre well it's pre Melissa but it's like Teresa versus my all-time favorite housewife Danielle Staub um She's your all time. I don't think, I think she is a reprehensible human being. Um, a woman f- once famously described as uh, having square tits and looking like the Grinch. I'm using someone else's phrasing, not mine. Um, it is a, a perfect season of television. It's, it's so, so, so good. And like the entire Jersey universe like radiates outward from there and it's so different now but like the old wounds run deep still um yeah I watched that one in Dubai as well so I'll have to get into the jersey I haven't (laughs) dipped into Dubai I've heard it's a little boring compared to some of the other ones I find it quite boring I would Sarah I can I can give you (laughs) I, I would start you Beverly Hills is really good the trilogy of jersey one two three because then you get into Melissa Okay. Like that's perfect. The first Medina, episode, Caroline, oh. insanity. The first episode of season three of Real Housewives of New Jersey involves 
a brawl at a child's christening. Um, it is one of the most inappropriate things I've ever seen on television. <laughs> like a full scale, like hair tugging, old woman punching brawl. Like it is, <laughs> oh it is God. shocking. I feel like that's like the reputation that like Real Housewives has in my mind. <laughs> and it's all because of Teresa. Like Teresa was the original violent wife. <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, and, word in season one I think that's what made Housewives a success is in season one when she like flipped the table at Danielle and called her a prostitution whore yeah like that was that's how Housewives got on the map we would be nothing without her nothing so it was nice to see her I mean I don't really care for Teresa like I think she is like empty head but like full rageaholic it's a really weird combo um one of the dumbest people to exist so so dumb so angry i love her daughters though um daughters her daughter her beautiful daughters i was on a deep dive of melania judice's tiktok the other day um very rich text a lot of joe judice um all those daughters are like identical now to me except gabrielle it's so crazy to see how they've grown I don't know the the TikTok that made the rounds of them all in their dresses their bridesmaids dresses Mm -hmm. was really because they were all wearing the same color and had the same spray tan and the same hair and everything it just was really like what am I looking at okay this is a good segue um another one of my great segues today um speaking of sisters with identical tans and identical hair um Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson have broken up. <laughs> Does the alarm need to be wrong? I, okay, I'm going to say yes. I actually, okay, I, I watched the latest season or the first season of the Kardashians on Hulu this past weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a rich text. I, by the end of it, I know it's Kardashian propaganda, but I was kind of rooting for Kim and mm-hmm. I wanted her to be happy with Pete and... Um, her the whole thing, the way everything's with Kanye in the last couple of years has gone has been like so horrible and repulsive. And I just want her to have like some funny big dick. And I was, yeah, I think she earned it. I, I, I agree. I was sad for her. I didn't think that Pete was going to be the one, but I thought that this was going to last a little longer than it ended up lasting because they were only <laughs> together for nine months. Oh, okay. It seems like a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think the reason they gave was that they're in different places in their life. And then I saw, like, they actually do have, like, a 13-year age difference. And she has a million kids and, like, has 13. to Is always be in Calabasas. And Kanye as an ex, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's been, like, threatening his life and yeah I did you see that Instagram post from over the weekend like Skeet Davidson I'm sorry calling him Skeet is very funny but um Skeet Davidson dead at 28 psycho 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 I tell you what no one has a body count like Pete Davidson I'm not the first to say it but it's shocking I don't do we get it no I don't get it either I saw a tweet over the weekend that was like, I don't consider myself a member of the Pete Davidson is hot community, but I stand in allyship with that community. And I'm like, that's kind of where I'm at, I guess. But sometimes, 
sometimes I see it. Other times yeah. <laughs> it's repulsive, but I really have to be in a mood to, to see it. <laughs> um, friend of the pod, Wesley Jansen, and I talked on an episode a few months ago about goofy boys having like a moment, like a hot boy moment right now. And Pete Davidson is such an avatar for that. Like, what do y'all think about the, like the Jack Harlow's of the world, the Pete Davidson's, the, the, well, Machine Gun Kelly is a, a scary weirdo, but like, and apparently they broke up too. But I, I guess like Pete Davidson is more in line with like, is it fair to say he's more like the Nathan Fielder moment that's happening right now where everyone's like super feeling Nathan Fielder? And I actually, that I get, I kind of get that because he's like brilliant and smart and yeah. like seems like he's not being real. And so you kind of feel like there's more to him or something. Whereas Pete Davidson, like, I feel like he's probably exactly like he seems in real life. I would... I feel like I would rather date like a surface level goofball than like, like Nathan Fielder is like a trickster god to me. Like I, that does not speak to me as like a stable boyfriend type necessarily. <laughs> like the artifice would be too much at a certain point. You would always feel like he was fucking you in some way, like withholding something or like, playing a trick on you or he's gonna one-up you in something like, I agree with that what if dating me is the prank <laughs> how I, I think I would never recover <laughs> like, I think my self-worth would be irreparably damaged yeah I wouldn't date again after that <laughs> <laughs> trust issues out the door like, and it's being filmed at the same time like I don't I don't know I haven't seen the new Nathan Fielder show I've been like I it's a it's so like Nathan for you is so funny but it's so like hard to watch kind of and I've heard this new one is like twice as hard to watch and I just like I I've had to like I have to wait until I'm in a good headspace for this I think I've been really loving it but I do agree that there's some hard moments in it yeah I think I prefer my reality TV shows to be a little bit more surface level, honestly, like Ronjay being as escape, well, all the housewives shows like being as escapist as they are, I think yeah. is definitely part of the appeal. Um, except, well, I don't know, Sarah, I mean, you're watching a very like not breezy season of Beverly Hills, not that it's ever that breezy, but like this one's I'm not loving Beverly Hills this season, I'll be honest, but I don't know. What, what do y'all think? I mean, I think there's okay, something- Okay, yeah, I want Sarah's take. Well, it's interesting because I feel like I love trash reality TV, no matter what kind, and I do appreciate the more surface level, but I think there's like something interesting behind the social behavior of like reality TV stars yeah. and how they interact with each other and knowing that cameras are rolling. And I don't know, I, I find it interesting, but I also think because I don't have the context of other seasons, I can't give like a good opinion, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like I've kept watching it. Beverly Hills is interesting this season in that like the factions are very much real friends who are newer to the cast versus longtime cast members who are like playing friends on tv sort of and that friction is really interesting 
I think I think what's really interesting this year is that um, so basically the broader storyline is like the, the OGs versus Sutton and they're trying to build this case in the public eye that Sutton is a bad evil manipulative person which is very funny because Sutton again is like just a big old dummy and I mm -hmm. I'm pro Sutton like I'm on Sutton's team I think she's a good person really dumb yeah. and it's just very funny that like these like the the Lisa Rinna's and the Dorit's like they have time in the off season to, to like bring in consultants or experts or whatever to like build their case like get like hire some lawyers and like get Erica Girardi's legal team like build your build your anti-Sutton case and they don't seem to do a very good job of it no. and so even though I think people don't love Sutton we're all like forced to take her side uh, I, I love Sutton. I would consider myself. A I'm a member of the Sutton community. Yeah, she and Garcelle are easily my two favorite on Beverly Hills right now. Um, I was loving Lisa Rinna for a while at the beginning of the season, and I Lisa Rinna makes me look so stupid every two years for like I like I'm like I'm never gonna stand her again, and then I do, and then immediately she like loses me again, and I'm like I'm done this time. Fool me once shame on me no I'm only once shame on you <laughs> i'm all oh yeah well i, I it, i'm it's always me like i'm taking accountability for always being a fool <laughs> so rena was on watch what happens live last week or the week before and andy cohen was basically like you gotta turn your social media off <laughs> like yeah. he gave her like a serious talk of like you're in really bad shape <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's she's lost the plot completely. And I think a lot of like the older wives this season are like, they think they're coming up. Well, that I mean, that's the problem with like the show being filmed like nine months before it actually airs. Like they think they're going to come off a certain way to the fans. And then the fans are like, we don't want it. <laughs> and then they're like- But that's what's so confusing about this one though, is because last season, like they saw it all play out and they saw that everyone- loved uh um garcelle and hated erica and were like mad at them for defending erica and then they came and did it again they like still kind of are fighting with garcelle and still are picking erica side i don't know i think they genuinely hate garcelle which is like um, i don't know i don't know i'm not gonna put words in anyone's mouth but like i think there's something very weird and sinister going on there and like Garcelle's like one of the realest people they've had on the show and Garcelle's annoying in a lot of ways like she is a shit stirrer but like mm -hmm. mm. I love her I love her too that's what we're hiring her for someone's gotta stir the shit yes and I hope that they hire um uh Will Smith's ex-wife Will Smith's ex full-time because I'm she's liking great. her too she's the breath of fresh air okay we have to take a quick break um but we will be right back and we're back Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Sarah, Molly, what are y'all rushing to the ER today? Well, I, so we picked this topic, we were out to dinner on Friday and we picked this topic at dinner and then um, news progressed this past weekend and it felt even more poignant and really, really frankly, the biggest crisis of all time to talk about curly hair today. Okay. Um, we're we're and, on a chat with two curly haired queens right now. <laughs> like, this we is... are. 
And Molly and I have had extensive conversations about our curly hair and how we style it and just like all of the like cultural of like evolutions of curly hair. Um, and so this is something that is near and dear to our hearts. Um, so we're excited to talk about it. And I think to in order to kind of like make up for what happened in the introduction to kind of start our curly hair discussion in talking about the curly haired queen herself, Olivia Newton-John. Um, I don't know, Sarah, Drew, what your connections were as a child to the movie Grease, but for me, um, growing up as a curly haired child in Ohio, where I was surrounded by lots of blonde girls with very, very straight locks, and I was uh, inspired by my mother to, to iron it every day, very straight. And in all the movies and all the TV shows, all the hot girls have straight hair. To see something as groundbreaking as Grease, where the dorky virginal girl has pin straight hair, and then all of a sudden she comes out after she gets smoking hot in her black hot pants with the curliest fro of all time. That was really, really impactful for me. Yeah. I, um rewatched the clip of you're the one that I want yesterday just like because I mean people were doing all these in memoriam tributes on Twitter and I forgot how like teased and cur- like her ch- physical transformation is like radical at the end of that movie it's it's she it's hot <laughs> like she just it's looks hot. really good yeah she still looks I mean that look like still would look amazing out today. You could wear oh, yeah. every single piece of that right now and it would look fantastic. There's a reason it's such an enduring Halloween costume. Cause like, I was gonna say, yeah. like, literally I was like, that was my Halloween costume a lot in high school. Just, oh really? Was it really? Yeah, I, cause like, I mean, it was really easy to like pull whatever contents out of my closet that I could like make work pretty quickly. Um, but then also the curly hair, like I could wear it naturally. And of course I wasn't blonde, like I have very dark brown hair, but people got the dress in. <laughs> it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's some of the most iconic curls in movie history. Yeah. Just the amount of hairspray she sold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it's, funny though, because I don't use hairspray at all. I've never I've tried to, but I can never use hairspray. So just... I, I'm interested in like the psychology of like straightening versus keeping it natural. Like what's and as someone who has like for the most part, like pretty pin straight hair. And I don't, I don't flat iron because I have, I mean, like <laughs> I have pretty short hair, but like I, um, I've always wondered what it would feel like to have curls. Yeah. I mean, I think there is like, obviously there's been a stigma around curly hair, especially like kinkier hair, or like coiled hair as well. Like in the workplace and it's seen as like not something that is seen as professional or like frizzier hair just like hair that isn't tamed and that has definitely been something that I think carried on like from middle school all the way up until like now um for me and like I am very much so the last two years have been like very into my curls it's part of my personality part of who I am but growing up always like straightened it because there was always this like impression and thought that straighter hair was more professional or straighter hair was just like better looking. And so I always felt the need to straighten it for like events and interviews and things like that. And I always just felt so 
disconnected from who I was but I love my curly hair now I don't know mm-hmm. if Molly feels the same way but I'm oh I'm the same way I the whole time I was a consultant in New York it was my hair was straight every day well no it was like even thicker it was like straight and then I would like curl it to look like a manufactured curl because it had to be like sleek the idea is like the sleekness is what's professional and like um yeah just like chic looking and then if you have any kind of frizz or like natural texture then it looks like younger or or you're not taking things seriously um also I have a very like round face and in my 20s um someone told me that I I look like too young for the role I was in if I wear my hair natural and so I was told to like have it very sleek to make myself look older um yeah there's a lot of like deeply ingrained anti-curly rhetoric in our culture yeah Yeah, it's interesting there's definitely like a thing around maturity and like the association of straight and sleeked hair like I always felt like I was taken more seriously when my hair was straightened and especially in like interviews and when I was interviewing out of college I always felt like it was necessary to straighten my hair so I could be taken seriously which is kind of unfortunate because that like isn't who I am you know what a weird equivalence to make too, because it's not like there's like an age limit on buying a hair straightener. <laughs> it's not like when you turn 21, like all of a sudden you can do it. Like weird. I mean, I've been straightening my hair since I was in like sixth grade. That's like probably when I started wow. straightening my hair. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. Like once my hair got curly, I started straightening my hair. I and it was- that's that seems so young. I feel like if I were just like an 11 year old with like a hot iron, my scalp would look like the Hindenburg like it would not be oh I wasn't using anything I was using like straight up drugstore like fry like the smoke would come off of it like oh yeah well and it's like it's kind of crazy because there is definitely an industry built around like toxic chemicals for curly hair to like straighten Mm -hmm. them so like relaxers that a lot of people use to like make their hair straight um, like my cousin has really, really kinky hair and like a thick, like curly hair texture and like would get a relaxer every single month. And that is so expensive and yeah. also just like so harmful to your hair. So I don't know, but there's definitely been a shift. I've seen a shift in like embracing the curls. So. Yeah. Well, partially because I'm sure like a lot of, um, like anti-curl rhetoric is like racially coded too. Like, I mean, there's a lot of like dark stuff around that like no it definitely is and I like for instance I think this is like highlighted in a lot of pop culture now especially in like shows like Insecure and like I don't know like where they're highlighting just like black women feeling like they need to straighten their hair they can't show up with like their natural curls because otherwise it'll be seen as unprofessional Mm -hmm. or untamed or whatever it is and I mean, it depends on, I think, the industry that you work in professionally and, like, the spaces that you see yourself in, um, where it's dependent on, like, how your curls are viewed, but I feel like in certain industries, it's, like, still, like, not seen as great. Besides Olivia Newton-John, did y'all have, like, curly-haired role models growing up? Mm. Uh, well the the ultimate for me as a curly redheaded girl and I still to this day will bring this photo to my haircut appointments and actually this past haircut someone told me like you gotta stop doing this but I'm in denial is Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman Mm -hmm. um she just her hair is perfect in that movie it is like the perfect shade of red 
where it's like so deep, but still so vibrant. And her curls look so natural. Like it looks like she like barely did anything to them, but like diffused it very, very lightly. And it's just like so voluminous. There's hairspray, but you can't really tell. It's like the perfect hair. Um, yes, I, I feel like redheads just like speaking for myself, like there's just a lot of curly redheads. And I feel like the redheads maybe feel a little bit like safer wearing their hair natural because they're already kind of the weirdos with the wrong hair color. Mm -hmm. So like Kate Winslet like wears her head a lot. Hidman Nicole wears Hidman her hair curly a lot. Curls. Yeah. Kate Winslet has the great scene in Titanic where when they're like running through the ship and it's like wet and her her curls are like kind of damp and it looks like every curly hair girl when she gets out of the shower where it's like curly but they haven't dried it yet and they're like no one can see me because they'll think my hair is really flat like she she like represents us in that way in that movie mm -hmm. yeah I, I always thought that like that juxtaposition juxtaposition of like the red curls and like the period PC kind of thing like I think there's literally I think the word is raphaelite um, have we heard of this before? No. <laughs> okay, oh. I might be, I'm not saying the right word. Hold on. <clears throat> We're doing research on this podcast. Okay, <laughs> Raphaelite. What is a Raphaelite woman? Oh, it's just an actress or singer with long curly hair. <laughs> but that's what I mean to say. Uh, just, I I, there was a term for it. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've only seen it um, within the context of like, kind of I don't know how to share a picture in this chat and this is obviously not a visual medium let me see what I can do here okay it didn't work anyway I was looking at a, a picture of an 1880s uh like colored pencil woman kind of and her hair was like <laughs> <laughs> it's like red um the example I just looked at said that Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine is a very good example of Oh, a Raphaelite woman. But I always think of Nicole Kidman in Far and Away as that, like, that. Yeah, yeah she has good hair. And she also, she's talked a lot in interviews about her curly hair journey and how she also went under pressure to straighten it and then had to do a lot of work. Because the thing is, when you do a lot of, it, like, damages the curl and you'll lose it for a while. And so yeah. that's why a lot of us curly haired girls, like, feel so protective and they're just they're so fussy they, they yeah. don't they have a mind of their own and if you go against them for too long they get angry at you and mm -hmm. they, they're they really not going to come like, back very easily if I straighten my hair or like even get it blown out like at a dry bar um maybe for like a week my hair doesn't curl the same way until I don't know like the heat is released it's just like so weird it just doesn't curl the same way after I wash it I don't know. The heat is the villain for curls, honestly. <laughs> is it like less bouncy or more like bouncy? It's it's just like not as curly. Like my curls oh. aren't as refined and it just looks funky. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. For it'll me lose, though, yeah, I'll lose like definition. Yeah. Yeah. But I um I think Molly put this in our research, which she mostly did the research. I'm just gonna give her credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> she put in um Shakira and I love Shakira's curly oh, hair. Yeah. It's like so thick and like layered. And that's just kind of like how I view my hair. It's just like thick and layered. And like, she's also just like a phenomenal like artist and mm -hmm. singer and dancer. And 
I don't know. I'm just like obsessed with everything she does. And she she shouldn't have to pay taxes. Correct. <laughs> Honestly, Thank you. How dare how dare they? She is Shakira, right? Yeah. Can you see her dance? Like mm. she can literally do everything, and she's um an actress too in in Zootopia she's the singing gazelle and she's fantastic in it Oscar 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 all around um I think it's crazy that they're trying to give her eight years for something that like I don't think she I don't think she's doing her taxes herself and I don't think she's like she definitely does not have the wherewithal to be like don't pay these (laughs) you know like (laughs) she's not telling someone like don't pay my taxes (laughs) like that's crazy yeah <laughs> but oh you know besides her not paying your taxes she's perfect <laughs> she's had a crazy hair journey too I feel like in I was re-watching old Shakira videos the other day from like the late 90s early 2000s pre like wherever whenever and she's in like purple wigs like blunt like party city wigs and like full like um red dyed like extensions down to the hip like manic panic stuff like it's she she went through some phases before like settling on the curls and I'm glad that she did because they are like she has such an iconic head of hair she really does yeah yeah she's given us so much <laughs> she but she's not giving the government enough it sounds like <laughs> so allegedly but also who cares like Spain has money yeah someone pointed out that the optics of the spanish government trying to get a colombian woman to pay them money after a history of colonialism i don't i don't agree with that colombian and arab she's lebanese as well (laughs) think of think of it and she's just had a hard week or because she broke up with her um her man too wait did she yeah he cheated on her like imagine cheating on Shakira well that's like the same thing with like Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce like yeah these men need to get their shit together I know (laughs) it like I I I don't know I just I think it's super wild and like men are trash I I I, that's kind of all there is to it sometimes like okay wait speaking of men are trash and curls I the one one thing I needed to bring to the table today for discussion with this topic is the epidemic of one of the worst hairstyles I've ever seen, specifically in the TikTok boy community, of this like close cropped buzz cut on the sides and then like tons of curls on the top. It's hilarious. Have you seen this? It looks crazy to me. My brother has this hairstyle. And I told him to stop. So he does what Oh my God. Does he have a TikTok? No, I don't think so. And my cousin, actually. Ugh. They're both, like, in their, like, 17 and 20. And they are, like, loving this look with the chain and the white beater and the curly hair. And I'm, like... It's a really <laughs> tough look to pull off. Like, I don't know. And it's so specific to, like, this, like, TikTok teen culture. Like, I've it's never seen it out right? in the wild. Huh? called e-boys right e-boys yeah (laughs) i uh, make fun of my brother for being an e-boy all the time but like what kind of lifestyle does 
what an off-putting question. What kind of lifestyle does he lead? Like, how is he like justifying the cut? I don't even know. Like, I guess like he's trying to come off as like a a cool, too cool for school kind of guy. Doesn't try too hard, but actually puts a lot of effort into his look. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I don't know what they're trying to do. I'm like, are you trying to be TikTok famous? Then make some TikToks and let's see, uh, let's see you try. But he's not even trying. <laughs> yeah, I. It it really it reminds me of like. Like we look back now 20 years on from like the frosted tips era. And I feel like we're going to look back similarly in another 20 years to this like TikTok hair (laughs) phenomenon and be like, what were we thinking? Like when I'm 30, well, like when, I don't know, like Lil Huddy or whatever is 37, like what's he going to look, what's he going to see from this, you know? Yeah. I will say during my my heavy heavy research um one of the iconic male curly heads of our current era is our dear lord uh Timothée Sham mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um but he has really good curly hair. Why can't he represent his era? Although he's older than we think, right? How old is he? Uh he's like 25 probably. Oh okay. Hmm. yeah he he has really really good hair and like the bone structure to make that hair look good too like I have to admit a dark truth like for most of pandemic or like early 2020 pandemic I had to grow out my hair just because like I mean I wasn't gonna go to the salon and get a cut you know and I was really, and I'd never grown my hair out past like where the length it is now, like where you're seeing me on this Zoom. I was really hoping I would have some kind of like curl or wave to it, just to like see, you know, because my, my mom has like pretty, not curly, but she has like pretty like wavy hair. And I'm like, maybe that could be me. When I tell you it was full, like straight, pin straight bangs down to my <laughs> nose. And the side part, like you, you wore it for two. I had to do a center part because it just didn't look good, like pushback or like, which so tragic to begin with. But like, it looked like flat curtains. <laughs> just, oh my gosh! Like, it was like I do. It's I think there's one on my Instagram, but like I don't really want. I would really prefer it if people did not look it up. Um, but it was. But if I had curls or waves, it would have looked so much better. It just like certain things are just not meant for. And center parts are are tough. Gwyneth Paltrow once said that only pretty girls can do center parts. And I don't think I qualified under, <laughs> under her criteria for that. So I have been trying to pull off the center part and it just looks a little, a little off. It's a hard look to do. It is. And I don't know. In 2020, a lot, and I hate to, like, I wasn't trying to get, like, inspiration from TikTok, but, like, there were a lot of guys trying to do center parts in 2020 for whatever reason, and I was forced into that by necessity, but, like, it just couldn't. (laughs) If I had even a sliver of a wave to my hair, maybe things would be different. Yeah. I feel like it's, like, a Gen Z look, though, Um, like, the center part. 
with like well, the strands kind of falling down and then you know I'm only 19 I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I'm 19 I'm 19 years old I know I'm, the cast. I'm on the cast, so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay do we have any closing thoughts about curls like I want to make sure you're I, I love honoring a research document, like honoring the spirit I, of the document. I do um, want to bring to everyone's attention two important enemies of the curly hair community. Okay. Um, these are two people who um, did lasting damage, I think, to our culture. And I just want people to um, never forget and never forgive. Um, and those people are number one, um, Hermione, Hermione Granger, played by Emma Watson mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter movies, uh, as someone who grew up the same age as Harry Potter and went to a bunch of midnight releases of the books and grew up so excited to see someone represent me as a curly haired girl in these movies. What they did to her in these movies is offensive. Yeah. Her frizz in the first few movies is like it's not even curly it's just frizzy it's just repulsive and then they just like made her not even curly anymore like movie four she was just like a normal girl who just like maybe got a light perm like she looks feral in the first movie like i've never seen that much hair on an 11 year old's head like it goes out to the sides like it's it's crazy and Emma Watson's never had that much hair since then. So I I like, I kind of think it was like, like she was getting like extensions or something. It might have been like, a wig because she had bangs. So it would have hit yeah. the hairline. Those bangs were PC too. Like they, they, <laughs> they had like the clip. They there was straight like a ironed half, the bangs. <laughs> but there was like a half inch between like the bang and the rest of the head. Like, oh, I see it. <laughs> yeah, it's suspicious that movie that first movie was not made for a lot of money so yeah so we have you know we have some complaints against emma watson i wouldn't Mm -hmm. say she's a perfect celebrity but i would definitely say like number one reason why she is uh owes us an apology is to the curly hair community for that movie um and then the second celebrity that i'm never gonna forget that least is our dear ariana grande who has naturally curly hair and people need to remember this that once upon a time when she was a different race she was she had she was a pale girl with beautiful dark brown curly hair and you will never see her with curly hair again no oh my gosh i've never seen a photo of her like that i found an old photo in the archives well she's never gonna wear like well that hair is like stuff like what she has now is like stuck like that yeah she probably got a relaxer or something because yeah this is i don't know what she wears wigs now yeah yeah i don't know how much uh, like real hair is actually on her head she's talked pretty publicly and like honestly kind of nicely about how um when she color treated her hair for whatever nick show she was on like she dyed it red for years and apparently that did so much scalp damage that like it's too pat. She has to wear wigs because it's like too patchy. I have heard this argument, Drew. And to this, I must say that show lasted one season. I think it was longer. What show was it again? Victorious. Oh, it was Victorious. Oh, she was that on show- that show. Oh, that I was on for a long time. 
Oh yeah, and Sam and Cat's in the news this week because Jeanette McCurdy's memoir is coming yeah. out, oh, yeah. which apparently is good. We will be supporting her. Um, I was surprised you did not mention ginormous curly-haired enemy to the community, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Some of the worst, one of the worst hairstyles of all time. And I think like something that genuinely stigmatized curly hair for men. It did. No, you bring up a really important point. I'm embarrassed we didn't bring it up. That I, I actually, I had a list of celebrities, uh, like male celebrities with good curly hair. And I actually, like he was on the list and I took him off and I should have moved him to the enemies because I, I didn't even want to bring him up. Well, he has nice hair in general. It just like that one very specific era where he was like, it is so cliche at this point to be like, it looked like ramen noodles, but like it really did look like ramen noodles. Like that like, brassy blonde and like the tight like finger wave curl like it, I mean it was it was very noodle-ish noodle-ass it was the gel it was like yeah. 90s era gel yeah that got to be glue or whatever <laughs> <laughs> like, no good <laughs> no, no good. good no good um okay well with that I think we actually have to move on to our final segment let's do it so we're gonna play Tear the Community Apart. The rules are very simple. I've picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. So since we have two guests on today, each of you will get to answer separately. I don't make people do a consensus for this. So the two songs this week are both by artists that I talked about on the two episodes of the podcast last week. These two songs are number one hits from the year 2022. In fact, they are the only two songs by a female solo artist to hit number one in the year 2022. Crazy. Uh, Which song is better? About Damn Time by Lizzo or Break My Soul by Beyonce? I'm going to say About Damn Time. Oh, I'm going to say Break My Soul. Okay. So let's hear the pro Lizzo. Okay. It does something to me. Like, mm-hmm. I love that song. And I think there are better songs on Beyonce's album than Break My Soul. I, I agree with both of those points. Uh, what about, like, I like About Damn Time, but like, what about, like, grabs you? I don't know. I just like feel an energy inside me when I hear that song. Mm -hmm. It just like makes me like feel really good about myself. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think something about me feeling really confident and listening to that song. Like if I'm listening to that song walking down the street, I'm feeling good. (laughs) Yeah. You're feeling fussy in your bullets. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I need to let's hear a pro break my soul argument now. Well, I just want to call out, it sounds like Sarah is making an argument that if the rest of Lizzo's album was better, then maybe it wouldn't mean that About Damn Time is such a good, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, Beyonce's album is a work of art. And so you can't say that Break My Soul is not as good to their songs on the album. I just have to, I have to tear about that argument a little bit. Okay. I love you, Sarah. That's fair. Um, no, Break My Soul is so fun. I love, I love dance music. Like, 
we moved to Chicago and it's so fun to like be here in Chicago during this era where we're bringing back like classic Chicago house music. Mm-hmm. Beyonce is the queen. It's cool to see her do this when Drake failed at it, his album so bad. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, yeah, I think, I think the song's really, really fun. I mean, the night it came out at midnight was like the most exciting night on the internet in a yeah. while where we all were listening to the lyric video together. I don't know. I don't feel that way about Lizzo. <laughs> Look, and I like, I like, I, we talked about this last week. Like, I think the new Lizzo album is mostly dreadful, but A Meltdown Time is a great song, fun, like, a kind of just like exactly what you want a pop song to be. And like, I heard it a million times when I was out, like, at Market Days this weekend. Got my life 90% of the time. Break My Soul. I think it's just, a, I don't know. I, get, I think it's literally just because I like Beyonce more than Lizzo. I think like quality wise, they're on the same level, but like it, my tiebreaker would have to be in favor of Beyonce for just the simple fact that Renaissance is like what it is. I hear both of your points. And this mm-hmm. isn't to say <laughs> that I don't love uh, Beyonce's new album and that I don't think it's groundbreaking. I do think though, but in comparison with the two songs, I think Lizzo's just does something to me personally. Okay. <laughs> I just love the, the idea. I love the idea of a billionaire putting out an anti-capitalist uh, <laughs> yeah. song. <laughs> uh, an anti-capitalist song that has lyrics like queens in the front and the doms in the back, which is not <laughs> something that is like a recognizably like human or comprehensible phrase. Like it is someone on the someone on twitter described um the lyrics on renaissance in total as like rupaul lyrics which is not untrue but like i don't i've decided i don't care like it's only beyonce or liz is doing a lot of like I mean, it's a lot of like self-helpy stuff. I like about damn time. But, like some of the there's a song on the new Lizzo album that's simply called Everybody's Gay which is A, not true, <laughs> and B, like, what, what are we doing with that? Like, Beyonce made an album that is essentially called Everybody's Gay, though, but it's just, like, it's more artful, artfully done. <laughs> um, I will say, in her new album, um, I think Energy is, like, my top song. I just think it's, yeah. it's so good. So good. Yeah. They're all so good, though. I mean, I, I've listened to it probably 20 times now, and every time I'm like, oh, this one might be my favorite. This one might be my favorite. And it's you hear like something new every time you listen mm-hmm. to each song. Like you hear something different that you didn't hear like the time before. So it's been fun to hear it in different contexts too. Like the first time I listened to it, I was, I, I hit play on it at 11.01 PM CST the night it came out, like that Thursday night. And I was in my bed, like swaddled in my comforter. And I just listened like with the lights off my headphones and sounded great. Went out Mm -hmm. for a run the next day, sounded great. Uh, Ran into friend of the pod, Audrey Bear, roller skating to it while I was out for my run. And I'm like, oh, that seems fun. If I could roller skate, (laughs) like that would be great. Um, And then that same night we went out to a bar to a listening party for it and danced to it. And that was great. It's all great. It, like it just it hits very well in different contexts. Very true. Yeah. I might wow. have to get roller skates just to listen to that album. Yeah. Well, the blow music video really made me want to roller skate. And I'm 
horrible at roller skating. Um, and <laughs> I have limitations. We all we all do. Do you um, think Beyonce is going to tour for this album? Yeah, probably. She she's pretty I've, good about touring. I've seen her on almost every tour in the last like fifteen years that she's been touring, and they keep getting better and better. And yeah. I really want to. I would love to see this one because I think it'd be like such a party in the fans because everyone would like really be dancing. And she has two more albums coming out in the next few months that she'll be touring behind too. Though those are one of them is allegedly a country album and the other is allegedly an R and B album. So they're not going to be quite as like. I mean, they'll still be good, I'm sure, but they're not going to be quite as like up tempo. Yeah. But we'll see. Any any music for hers is a gift. So, um, <laughs> we do have to wrap up. But this was a true delight. Thank you all both for being here. Um, Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. This is great. So if you would like to be found on social media, where can you be found? I don't want to be found. Okay. <laughs> and that's So <laughs> you can find me, but I am on private. So you won't know anything about me, but it's Sarah Farrah Bailey. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I am desperately trying to be found and perceived so you can find me on twitter at fka pigs with the z on what's the other one instagram you can find me on instagram at drew haskins with the z's and follow at crisis swing pod on twitter and instagram for direct updates um with that uh until next week bye everyone <laughs>